Hello and welcome to the first episode of Gaijin Bento, a podcast made for degenerate weebs and Japan enthusiasts. We talk about all kinds of Japanese culture and media. I'm Brian. And I'm Sage. I'm a brown boy, Mexican American that's been living in Japan for the last seven months. I'm currently an English teacher, like most foreigners that come up to Japan. I have a degree in audio production, and I've worked with studio recording in the Chicago area where I'm from. I'm a brown girl, black and Caucasian American, waiting for her Sailor Moon transformation. I too have a background in audio. I've also done studio work as well as production sound in the Chicagoland area where I'm also from. I'm trying to get back to Japan, but a girl's gotta pay the bills. So, we have two main topics today. First, I'd like to kind of just talk about my first week in Japan, actually just arriving here because that was a、uh, was a really embarrassing adventure, I guess. But it's kind of funny to talk about. So,、um, my <laughs> my suffering is、uh, your entertainment, so you're welcome. <laughs> And、uh, later, we'll talk about a little bit about Demon Slayer because, of course, we are. I'll I'll never forget it. Thankfully, I I actually had a nonstop flight to Japan from Chicago. Um, so it was like maybe like 13 hours, like a 13 hour flight. So that wasn't bad, but <laughs> it really felt like it was the what's that movie? The, the day that the earth stood still is that is that the name of it? Yeah, yeah, because like the sun never set since at that time. Um, <laughs> Japan, I think it's like at that time it was 14 hours ahead. Japan doesn't do the daylight savings time. So, right now it's 15 hours ahead, but、uh, I came here in July of 2021. So, it was 14 hours ahead. So, it was pretty close.、Uh, 13 hours was pretty close to the time zone difference. So, the sun never actually set. So, nothing but sunlight throughout the entire flight. So, I wasn't able to sleep at all. So, and I tried to, but like after a while, I decided to just give up and. Just slam some coffee and I'll just sleep <laughs> when, when I get to、uh, the, ho- the hotel, which was、uh, its own、uh, torture. But yeah, so 13 hours. So I decided to, <laughs> what I decided to do is、um, play、uh, games. So like it was the ANA, is that what it's called? The airline, the Japan Airlines,、uh, at like All Nippon Air- Airlines or something. Yeah,、like、All、that. Nippon. Yeah.、Uh, so、um, they have like, In stock games、uh, in each like seat、um, where you can also like watch movies, play games, whatever, podcasts.、Um, and they had、uh, Tetris. So I spent about like eight hours playing Tetris and I managed to beat like everyone's high score that was on there. So what I what I did was like for each time I would play, I would have like a slightly different name for myself. <laughs> Like, I had like Brian one, Brian two, <laughs> Brian three. So, like, there w a s multiple of myself like on that high score list, and I just beat everyone there.、Um, so, that's basically what I did to、um, spend my time there on that 13 hour flight. So, it's funny because, like, the first time I boarded the plane, like, I got immediately mistaken for Japanese because the,、uh, the flight attendants started speaking to me. And I kind of got the gist of what they were saying, but like just they just assumed I was Japanese. But I think they were saying if I could move my suitcase or whatever. <laughs> sure, whatever. <laughs>、uh, 
So anyway, yeah, thirteen hour after thirteen hour flight, we finally arrive in um in uh, Narita Airport. So this is this is where uh, something embarrassing happens. I was really tired. Okay, thirteen hours, mm-hmm. kind of like that weird like coffee buzz. Just like I just felt awful. It was terrible. So when they were uh, making the announcements for people to leave the airplane uh, in, in whichever order they were doing it. I was just so tired. I wasn't paying attention to what they were saying, but they called the first group. Um, and I was like, I'll, yeah, I'll go. That that sounds about <laughs> like, it's my turn, I guess. Yeah, I'll go first. <laughs> uh, so I end up going and I leave. Uh, but actually there is a flight attendant waiting at the gate and just, she, she checks my, my passport or whatever. And she's like, okay, you're good to go. All of a sudden, I feel like something's not right. Because other people, I didn't see the, uh, not the, what do you call it? Not the board. What's the opposite of the boarding gate? <laughs> oh, departure. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so departure uh, and arrivals. Uh, yeah, I didn't see the arrivals anywhere, like, like a arrival sign anywhere. So I started to get worried. And I was just like waiting for other people to get off. So I was kind of late waiting around. And five to ten minutes passed and no one like at least it didn't seem like anyone was getting off so i'm like oh no what have i done like something's not right (laughs) so i went to go ask for help and i'm like hey uh i don't see the arrivals uh thing anywhere and of course it was a, a japanese woman and she didn't speak english very well and when i first arrived in japan i it was just like i mean i had like a a year give or take of of self teaching but there's like a difference between knowing something is fact and just having to be able to like practice, you know? Right. So despite me having some knowledge of it, I actually didn't use it in real life. So it was almost like I didn't know any Japanese at all. Oh gosh. So, uh, and she started to go into panic mode too. And I'm not sure why, but she just, oh, you know, just, just uh, she just told me to wait. Uh, so I sat down and, some time was going, she was like calling people on her radio uh, frantically. <laughs> and I'm like starting to get worried. I'm like, uh, what do I do? And I'm just like waiting. So after maybe like 10 minutes of waiting there anxiously, uh, a few uh, Japanese women come up to me and uh, tell me to follow them. Uh, and they're like also super panic mode. And I'm like super worried, like, oh my God, what happened? And I just apologized because I could clearly tell they were uh, worked up. So they take me somewhere and I go through this staircase. And it's actually really, really close to where I got off the airplane. And Mm -hmm. so it turns out, yeah, the first group was for, um, what do you call it? Exchange? Like they were exchanging uh, different flights. Oh, okay. So I got off that group that was going just to a different flight and my group was supposed to be staying in the, we were supposed to actually be escorted to the quarantine area. Oh, is that why they were all kind of worried? Yeah. So that's why they were all panicky because I, I I got, I I wasn't in the quarantine area. Oh my gosh. You crazy American. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Classic guy, Gene. And I just like, apologize profusely and i mean i was just like so tired and i'm like oh i'm finally getting off and i don't know how i was able to bypass that i mean they checked my passport and they were like oh yeah you're fine you know when i got off so 
I don't know. Maybe the attendant was tired too. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, but it was such a long day. It was like three p.m. when I got there uh, to the quarantine area and everything. Uh, so we waited for a long time. We had to do like the PCR test, and it was kind of brutal. They like shoved that cotton swab out of my nose. Oh my gosh! Did you feel brain? Yeah, I felt Brian. <laughs> yeah it 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 hurt like oh they were brutal but after that we had to go through customs and that was such a long process we had to download all these uh quarantine apps because i was uh, i was supposed to quarantine for two weeks uh in a hotel that was already planned by Mm -hmm. the the company that i worked for so yeah i had to get all these apps and they had to like go through all this long process and it was I was already tired from like a 13 hour flight. It's just, and then waiting and waiting. Cause there were so many groups that were taking um, also PCR tests. Cause this was like in the middle of the Tokyo Olympics. So there was actually some media too, that were, had to go through this same process. So there was a, it was actually a pretty full flight. Oh, despite wow. it. Uh, yeah. Um, the Japan, Japanese port border still being closed at the time. I mean, they're still closed now, but yeah, there was it was a pretty full flight, so I had to wait. And of course, I was last in line because I was the one to get off uh, off the quarantine zone by ac- <laughs> by accident. <laughs> Send you to the back. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I was way back, and it was like so embarrassing. I'm like, oh, and everyone, all the other guys, you know, staring like this oh. dummy. You're just like, please this don't goofy goober. Me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, um, I also, going through immigration, they had to, like, you know, check all my bags and everything. And (laughs) I got worried because, and for those people that don't know what this is, so I had, like, small bottles of Malort. (laughs) And uh, so Malort is this just, it's a a Chicago meme. It's a liquor, but it's a Chicago meme. That's all I have to say. And I really like it, and I've exposed most of my friends to it unfortunately but yeah uh they had like the dogs and everything they you know the dogs were like sniffing and yeah the guy at uh, immigration like we're like okay we have to open your bags the dog's smelling something i'm like oh no not the malort it's <laughs> definitely the malort i'm like no come on after all of this uh and so they were like rummaging through my luggage and they didn't they, they saw the Malort, but then they saw something else, and it was my Listerine bottle. Oh. And they were like, oh, what's this? And I'm like, it's, it's mouthwash. And they're like, oh, okay, you're good. So they closed up my bags, and I was good to go. Um, and I was I had, like, a guy from the company waiting for me. They were going to pick me up, and they were going to escort me to the hotel. But, oh, my God. By the time I got to the hotel, it was, like, 8 p.m.? 8 p.m., give or take. So that was like five hours at, at the airport after a 13-hour flight. Oh, my gosh. It was like one of the most exhausting days I've ever had in my entire life. When I first got to the hotel, I was like really excited. I bought the Yebisu beer because they, they actually had a beer vending machine on my floor at the hotel. Oh, nice. I, I, we don't have Yebisu in the States as far as I know, so... And I had heard a lot about it. And of course, from Evangelion. Oh, of um, course. 
<laughs> so so I had to try the Yabisu. And I actually, the Yabisu is like one of my favorite beers now. Actually, I would say I like it more than Asahi. And we have Asahi in the States. Did you have Asahi with me? Yes. Um, I remember at Epcot, I think, was one, was that one of the first times we tried that? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah I, remember, I remember going to the store trying to find the stuff that I had out there, and it was kind of hard to take pictures of everything. <laughs> yeah, we, we could have. I know we had a lot of things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Asahi was like my reigning champion when I was in the States, but I think I might like Yabisu. Actually, too, like the Sapporo beer here tastes a bit different than it does in the States. And like Sapporo was like all right back in the States, but here actually it's pretty yummy. Yeah, I agree. From what I remember, it definitely was a difference. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you had some experience in Japan yourself, right? Yes, I did. It's uh, It's been a few years and I'm thinking about trying to go back now is crazy because everything you told me about all these protocols, you know, because of COVID, I remember when I went over, I already thought, you know, at that time, I think it was 2017, um, the lines just, you know, for customs and just, you know, get in for the first time, um, you know, flying internationally, those lines are already kind of long as it is. Um, so I can't imagine having the patience to go through what you did after, you know, a 13 hour flight. That's just crazy. Um, my flight was nonstop to Narita. Um, but we were staying in Kyoto, so we had to then fly from Narita to Osaka. And then um, from Osaka, we took a train to Kyoto. So um, we definitely landed in Tokyo when it was still light out. And it was um, afternoon, um, early evening. And then by the time we finally got to the hotel, um, it, was, it was nighttime and I was just ready to pass out. Um, I had a vending machine. Um and the lobby that I really wanted to check out, but I was just so, so tired. I was like, vending machine beer can wait. <laughs> I need to get some sleep. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I still like had that kind of energy to even just go to the vending machine and pick up beer after that. I don't know how I did that. Maybe it's just like, you know, you get past that point of exhaustion and then just like become super. I'm not sure. Yeah, I before I got to the point where I was like really, really tired when I when I knew, okay, we're almost checked in. I can finally just, you know, throw myself on the bed and, and pass out. I would kind of like have my second, third, and fourth wind, just like looking, you know, outside the plane um from um Narita to Osaka, just looking at the architecture and like how the city um is in comparison to like anything in the States. Um, and then just being so excited that, oh my gosh, I'm actually here. So I'd kept kind of like rejuvenating myself, um, and then getting tired again and then getting exciting again until (laughs) finally I'm like, okay, I just need to pass out and there's too much to process. How was your uh, jet lag? Um, I didn't feel it right away. I think because, um, since the sun did go down for me. Um, and I did sleep a little bit on the way there. Um, and then I was able to, I pretty much went to bed right after we had, we all got settled in. I didn't notice it too much though. By the end of the first full day, we were walking around and checking out the temples, um, between my feet, <laughs> just mm-hmm. from all the steps I had taken and just all the things I had processed. Um, I definitely did feel like I was going to bed a lot earlier. 
then towards like later in the trip. I see. Yeah. What about for you? Um, so like all like the physical, like exhaustion and everything, I feel like I had, I just had a really good night's sleep that night and I woke up feeling pretty good. Um, yeah, it was just kind of more like a mental thing after that, that it took like maybe a week of exhaustion. I mean, a, a week of like just having that inner clock work or like adjust to uh, Japan's time. So like I was, I was having like weird um, like sleeping schedules that I wasn't used to, but like I wasn't like exhausted or anything like that. Like I felt pretty good. I felt like I could do things and go out, but of course I couldn't because I have two weeks of quarantine. Right. So um, what did you what you do then to keep yourself you know occupied during those two weeks? So thankfully uh, the Wi-Fi was pretty good, so I was able to just like watch YouTube, work out. Um, just do like at at hotel workouts. Um, so training started the last week of my quarantine. So yeah, the for the first week I didn't do much because they were still waiting on other arrivals, like from just from America and also the Philippines. So they had to wait for those people to get in. And so yeah, it was like about a week of not doing much. So we were like we were able to explore uh, explore certain parts of the hotel. But for the most part, like, yeah, we couldn't go to the on-site onsen, uh, hot spring, and we couldn't go to the restaurants. We couldn't leave the hotel. Mm. But there was a garden that we could walk around. But aside from that, yeah, it just kind of stuck in there. It was kind of nice in a way, though, because we, I was able to just process the fact that I was in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> the first week was just a lot of processing and getting my mind and inner clock to get uh, used to the time zone. But uh, I don't know how I was able to really not go crazy. I mean, I did have other people on my floor that were also teachers. So I got to like meet them and we would go on discord and talk and hang out like that too. That's awesome. And uh, you know, discord has just been so helpful. I feel like these last few years, like all sorts of platforms like that, even just you and I, you know, talking like me being in the US still, and you, you know, overseas. Um, it's just so cool that we can still like connect and, you know, just see what, you know, everyone's doing. Right, right. Okay. Um, well, that being said, then, um, before we continue to our next topic, we'll go on a quick commercial break. So we'll see you soon. Hey, honey, want to hear a joke? No. Knock, knock. <sighs> Who's there? <laughs> Mrs. Neutron, I don't feel so good. Oh, God, Jim, what have you done? Hey, kids, are you in a pickle? Boy, are we. Well, I have a solution for you. Introducing the world's best lawyer, Pedro Francis Garcia. Uh, hello, my name is Pedro Francis Garcia. I need money. With over 10 years of experience, he has helped so many wonderful patrons to avoid prison time. Don't believe me? Here are some of our testimonials. I'm Larry Gabegott. I killed my wife a while back, I'll tell you what. And I walked away with only mine a misdemeanor. Thank you, Pedro. I beat a man with a baseball bat at McDonald's because he cut in front of me. Don't f- 
ask me why I had a baseball bat. Anyway, lawyer man got me out. Thanks, Pedro. Please, call my lawyer, son. He needs the money, and I want him out of the house already. Yeah, por favor, vete. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you, Pedro. Thank you, Pedro. I can't feel my spleen. Just go. 232-232-2321. Again, that's 232-232-2321. Actually, please don't call that number. Okay, and uh, we're back. So now we're going to move on to our next topic. So the good old uh, Demon Slayer. So I know, uh, Sage, you're a Demon Slayer expert, right? Oh, yes. Um, I'm sharpening my katana as we speak, um, training to become uh, a Hashira. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what what breath I would... uh, I would take up though. I I don't know. I'm kind of partial to fire. I'm I'm a pretty big Rengoku fan. I recently just hung up a um hanging wall poster of him. So that's like one of the first things uh, people see when they they go into my room now. They see how much of a weeb I am. <laughs> Rengoku's your favorite? Yeah, you know, I would say that's so tough cuz they're all such good characters and I know that's like that's not an answer. I can't say that they're all my favorite because then like that's not a favorite. Um, I would say he probably is my favorite Hashira. He's yeah, and then um, just in general for favorite characters, um, I again there's so many good things to and so many interesting things with like their personalities and even just the way that like they're animated and drawn that are so interesting. Mm-hmm. But I just oh my gosh, I love Anosuke. I really do. <laughs> I think it's the forehead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's my. Uh, default go-to when uh, kids out here ask me who my favorite uh, Kimetsu no Yaiba character is, I always say Inosuke. You have to. Hashibira Inosuke, just the king of the mountain. He is so good. And you you have um, that that boar mask. (laughs) Yeah, I I do. Uh, I actually uh, wore it to a school on Halloween, to one of the schools that I teach at. Oh, that's Um, so cool. I I bet the kids thought that was so awesome. Yeah, a lot. It was funny because like some kids are like, "Yeah, that's pretty cool," and then some other kids are like, "That's kind of fucking creepy." <laughs> well, you know, it kind of is actually. Um, I remember not knowing how I felt at first. Like when I when I would you know would see the different characters before I even started watching the show, I had seen the artwork, and so like I knew I recognized certain um like scenes like before even getting to certain points because I had friends that recommended it. And I remember one friend, the one who got me to finally start watching it, she kept saying, Oh my gosh, Anosuke is like the best character. I love him so much. You're gonna love him. And so like the first frame that you see him in um, when they're trying to save that young boy, um, Kyoshi, um, mm. I just looked at him. And I said, oh, my gosh, this wild boar man. I love him. I need 10 of him. <laughs> and, um, and just even when I continued to read it, it just, oh, my gosh, he's so funny because he's just so aloof. But at the same time, like he's got such a good heart, like he cares about his friends, um, even though at first he calls everybody by the wrong name. <laughs> Um, I just think that's so funny. He just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I'd call him a himbo, but he kind of is. <laughs> I like, I like him cause he's a little stupid. 
<laughs> exactly. He's stupid, but he's trying. Ooh, stupid boy. <laughs> he's a stupid, you know, wild boar boy. He just he's trying his best. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Another th- like oh with with the swords. Like when he gets his new swords in, um, and the first thing he does is just take the stone and start making them serrated. <laughs> oh, yeah. Despite everybody saying no, please don't do it in front of the swordsmith. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Oh I, my like, goodness. Inosuke actually looks kind of a bit creepier in the manga. Like the way the mask looks is a, compared to the anime. And the anime is a little bit more polished, but like in the manga, uh, he's, he looks a little creepier. He definitely does. And there's something to be said for that, you know, like drawing versus an animation, because with the drawing, it's just, you know, um, black and white and whatever shading the artist is doing for that scene. I would also argue that um, the uh, the manga for um, Attack on Titan, uh, Shingeki no Kyojin, um, that also looks kind of terrifying, too, when you're reading mm-hmm. it versus when you're watching it, because the lack of all those extra colors just makes it seem more like kind of doom and gloom. So I definitely see what you mean about um, Inosuke's mask and even the the demons in general. Like they, I mean, they already look pretty crazy animated. They um yeah. they look nuts when you're reading it, and it's kind of gross, but like really cool at the same time. I like cool and gross. <laughs> cool and gross and nice. Yeah, some of those transformations are like insane and it's i kind of thought for a second i'm like oh it'd be kind of cool to be a demon because you'd be like super powerful but then i saw how some of them can like change their form and i was like oh i don't know if i want to do that though that's a little that's a little nasty (laughs) but i want to be a nasty demon you want to be a nasty demon (laughs) (laughs) that's what i was called in high school (laughs) okay so if you were a demon, would you be just like a demon that's kind of just chilling, snacking on humans, trying, you know, not to get burned to death? Or would you want um, Muzan to, like, recognize you? And would you want to be in his upper ranks? Um, I think if I was an upper rank, that would be a lot of pressure. Then again, though, he did get rid of all the lower ranks in the end of season one. Oh, yeah, that was pretty intense. So it's kind of, like, hard to choose. Maybe I guess I, I guess I would have no choice but to go with higher rank. And just kind of like eat a lot of humans, but not get any, get anywhere anywhere near the uh, Hashira or the Demon Slayer. I was just gonna oh, yeah. be doing my own thing. Yeah, that that'd be tough. You're right. There is a lot of pressure. Um, because yeah, we we saw how quickly he just absolutely wiped out all his lower ranks because they were disappointing him. Um, yeah, to even be an upper rank, like to just to be able to to be that much closer to like that power level um that'd be so cool but there'd be so much pressure if like you know if if you were defeated or um or just if you weren't able to uh, to to defeat like a demon slayer you'd, you'd get you'd catch so much shit from Musa from that he'd probably kill yeah. you himself <laughs> yeah and i guess like being a higher rank demon you'll still have it sweet sweet muzan juice going through the veins, so. <laughs> oh my god you would so and even that um like i think once you already have had so much in it your chances of survival are better but um i thought i remember that it, it's canon that it doesn't necessarily just because you get his blood it doesn't mean you even survive from it which is crazy to think about. So, like, if he's going around to people and going, like, hey, do you want to be a demon? Even if you say yes, you might not survive the whole ordeal. 
True, but it, and if you say no, I don't want to be a demon, then they'll just kill you. I mean, so either way, you're 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 kind of screwed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's kind of sad when you think about it, but um, but you know, I guess it's just for for some people that you know are just like, hey, this works out either way for me. I get to be a cool demon, or uh, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so we were um, <laughs> sorry what was that uh, humans taste better than mcdonald's i'm sure oh my gosh absolutely well there was no um there was no fast food um oh that got me thinking about that udon place though when when tanjiro finally um gets uh to the city um when um he and uh traveling with with nezuko when they're trying to he's trying to get more answers um, and that made me realize too, we because we were talking about time period. I didn't really think about what time period was going on in Japan at first. I didn't know if it was supposed to be very close to like realistic Japan because a, a lot of times anime, you know, it's set in like a a different world that might look like ours, but there's like so many different things going on. But if you take out the demons, it's pretty close to Japan at the beginning of the 20th century. Um, and, and then with like the, the train arc, the Mugen train that kind of solidified that too, because once I realized, oh, okay, so this clearly has to be at a point in time where that type of technology exists. But one of the scenes that kind of confused me was when they're all on the train platform and all of a sudden, like the, um, like the actual like police force, um, they see the they see Tanjiro, Zenitsu, and Inosuke, and like they see their katanas, and they're not supposed to have them. So were regular like civilians not allowed to just be carrying? Like they didn't have like open carry for katanas. <laughs> open carry katanas. <laughs> <laughs> well, so like, I know that uh, it takes place. It it's officially takes place in the Taisho era, okay. which yes, it, it is like early twentieth century. Which is weird to think about that. In that time period, World War One happened. <laughs> oh my God! Um, yeah. So I wonder if that's happening in the Demon Slayer universe. Oh my God, that'd be nuts! <laughs> World War One with zombies. Yeah. Or not, or not zombies. Sorry, yeah. demons. Oof. Yeah. The zombie slayers. That's the next. Zombie slayer. <laughs> oh my but, gosh! Uh, yeah, they could. I wanted to talk a bit about season two without any spoilers, so uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about just kind of like the background since we're talking about the time period time a demon slayer takes place um so so like the the entertainment district arc is like what tokyo right probably in tokyo that's um, kind of what it seemed like it was definitely somewhere um that was uh, more metropolitan and at that time period um i'm trying to think of like cities that we know now obviously would look very different but you're probably right it probably was maybe tokyo or somewhere more north? Yeah, so there's something kind of interesting. So again, I'm not going to talk too much about the story. But uh, so the women entertainers are called uh, Oidan. And it's kind of interesting because as far as my understanding, my understanding from what I read, that Oidan were already kind of diminishing uh, by the Edo era. And actually the geisha uh, were already kind of more prominent during the Taisho era. But I mean, both of them kind of started to lose prevalence in Japanese culture because during like the Meiji era, which was the one that preceded Taisho, 
they were already kind of Japan was already westernizing mm, a bit, okay. so a lot of like Japanese traditions were kind of I want to say fading, but uh, Japan was focusing more on like a westernized uh, constitution and just culture. Oh, absolutely. And then we got to talk about Zenitsu becoming the top Oiran to spite Tengen. <laughs> I think he can do it. <laughs> his musical abilities are already like unparalleled because of his sense of sound. So I, you know, I or he could just become a male geisha. True. And not have That's... to, you know, wear all that terrible makeup. I like the terrible makeup. Oh my god, I did too. I when I first started it's reading Pikachu-ass it. looking cheeks. <laughs> when I first started um finally like actually reading, you know, Kimetsu no Yaiba, um that was like the first like arc I was reading. <laughs> it's the first thing I see are these the boys with the terrible outfits. <laughs> and Tengen's just like, "Yep, this is passable." <laughs> yep, looks good to me. Oh my gosh, yeah. That was that was really fun to watch that animated. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, then. Uh, so I guess that uh, that's pretty much it for this episode. Thank you for uh, tuning into the first episode uh, to whoever will be listening to. I hope we have some listeners after this. Uh, here's some here's some crickets and maybe a person. Not more crickets. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh, thank you, Sage, for participating in this first episode. Um, thank you for doing this with me. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for, uh, in, you know, entrusting me to... Uh, be your co-host your co-pilot heck yeah yeah we have so many ideas planned ahead uh for this podcast like so many it was kind of uh we were just like overwhelmed with how many ideas we had so uh we'll be hopefully we'll be doing this for a while because uh we just have so much to talk about um but uh yeah anything else anything else you'd like to say sage I'm sorry, I had to. <laughs> I'm going to cut that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you dare. <laughs> okay, well, thank you. Uh, so at the end of this podcast, we would usually save, um, have like a, or we would have like a question and uh, answer Q&A section. But since this is our first episode, uh, please enjoy uh, five minutes of absolute silence. Okay, see you. Bye-bye. Toodles.